Welcome to Politicology. I'm Ron Steslow, and I'm glad to be back with all of you, and very grateful for all of the kind notes you sent while I was out sick last week. Looking back on 2022, with all of its downs and ups, it's hard to believe another year has already gone by. For many people, this is the season of resolutions and goal setting and planning for the new year. And I like to do a lot of that too. But I've noticed that I find a much more grounded kind of hope for the future when I begin with a posture of gratitude that comes from time reflecting on the good things right in the rearview mirror. One of those things for me is this vibrant podcast community. I know you all know this, but I didn't set out one day with a mission to become a podcaster. It just happened pretty organically in the course of some intensely purposeful work to protect democracy in 2020. But what I haven't told you is that I was seriously nervous in the beginning. Although I was determined to do it, hearing my own voice summoned my old not-good-enough gremlins to come out and play. But one thing I've learned from years of weekly therapy is that growth and good things are usually waiting just on the other side of discomfort. Which brings me back to you. It's through this podcast that I've discovered such a wonderful community of people. Like so many of my favorite guests, you care about ideas. You're thoughtful and engaged and committed to listening, even and especially through disagreement and discomfort. And when I think about what it's going to take to make sure that the principles of democracy withstand the looming threats against them and remain the foundation on which we continue through debate and inquiry and one vote at a time to build our shared future, that gives me a lot of hope. You give me hope. And I'm grateful that you're here. So for this holiday season, I invited some of our Politicology family to share about what's giving them hope. I asked them, Reflecting on 2022, what's one thing that has given you hope going into the new year and why? And today we get to share their answers with you. We'll start with my very good friend, the one and only Susan Del Percio. Wow, I thought there would be so many different types of answers I could give, but right now it's protesters. And this is coming from a traditional Republican. And I am all about the protesters right now. What we have seen around the world, we have seen the uh, women of Iran stand up and and get change. and, And we're seeing things happen in that country. We're seeing people in China, China, they are standing up and there is now a change in their COVID policy. I'm really hopeful that all of that will move towards Russia and that the people will stand up. I think that we're, we're heading into winter. This has been going on to close to a year, the Russian invasion. And I think that people's voices are, there's something contagious about freedom. And I'm hoping we'll see it there. So I'm hopeful about that. And like I said, I never thought I'd be hopeful about protests. <laughs> I'm hopeful for freedom. I wish we could see some of that from our own people in this country, but soon enough, soon enough. Here's my friend and former presidential candidate, Carly Fiorina, on what she's hopeful for. In 2023, I'm hopeful that more and more Americans will realize the role we can play, the good we can do, the difference we can make, the impact we can have as members of civil society. 
1835, Alex de Tocqueville wrote his famous book about American democracy. And what impressed him the most about America was what he called civil society. That is, all of us in businesses and communities and faith-based institutions who come together and solve the problems right here in our own communities. Yes, government has a role, but the truth is that citizens and civil society can play the largest role in impacting the problems we face in our communities. This is why I spend most of my time now in civil society, whether it is serving as the chairman of Colonial Williamsburg to ensure that every American can connect with the complete story of our American founding, or whether it is standing up an organization, Pathway to Promise, to help justice-involved youth. I believe people have come to see the limits of politics and the limits of government. 2023 is an opportunity for even more of us to understand the possibilities that we, as members of civil society, as citizens, can make a huge difference all around us. I'm Katherine Sanderson, the Polar Family Professor of Psychology at Amherst College. And what gives me hope for the new year is the relatively high rate of voter turnout among people ages 18 to 29 in this year's midterms. We know that young voters don't particularly vote at high rates, and we also know that midterm turnout tends to be not great. Yet in the most recent election, what we saw was that young voter turnout was relatively high, which by all accounts appears to have made a difference in some swing states. My daughter, who's 18, was one of these. She voted for the first time in Pennsylvania, where she's a college student. And we know from psychology research that if you adopt a habit at a young age, you tend to stick with it. So I'm really hopeful that this year's voters, ages 18 to 29, will now become lifelong voters because we all frankly benefit when more voices are heard. And that gives me a lot of hope heading into 2023 and beyond. This is former Senator Doug Jones from Alabama. You know what gives me hope going into 2023 is really the American people and the sense that they had to reject extremism in the midterm elections. Not that every extremist election denier uh, didn't get elected. Some did. But on the whole, democracy got a reprieve. We're still not out of the woods But I think the American people showed a lot of common sense. They showed a lot of decency. They showed a lot of love for this country and what this country stands for in their election. Because in the really hotly contested races, democracy won. Extremism was rejected. And that's something we've talked about for a long time now, but especially leading up uh, to these midterms. And I'll tell you a part of that, a part of that that also gives me hope is because so many young people got engaged, got out to vote. They made a difference this year. They clearly made a difference in any number of elections. And I think going forward, that's a great sign for this country. Again, we've got to continue to reject the extremism on both sides of the aisle. We've seen it more on the right than we've seen on the left and the violence that it leads to. We took a big step. We took a big step in the midterms this past year. I am looking forward to 2023 and continuing to carry that on. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, folks, it's the American people that we have to put our faith in. Every day, 24-7, 
365 days a year. It's the American people that have always come through. It's nothing we can't do. There's nothing we can't overcome. So looking back, midterm elections gives me hope going forward. My name is Kristen Komernicki, and I direct a program called Oriented to Love that brings together Christians across deep difference in theological conviction, sexual orientation, and gender identity. What gives me hope as I head into the new year is the opportunity to witness people's willingness to lean into discomfort. And they're willing to do that for the promise of growth. I see this in the context of my dialogue work, where participants know they'll be spending an intimate weekend with people they strongly disagree with on some passionately held convictions. The reason I gain hope from this is because I think most of us are wired for comfort. We prefer it when things go smoothly, and that's understandable, of course. When people agree with us, we can relax, we feel understood, we feel like we fit in. So it takes courage to overcome that preference, to reach across deep difference with the expectation that we'll learn something if we take that risk will grow in some important or desirable way. No pain, no gain is a popular catchphrase when we're talking about challenging our bodies at the gym, for example. But in my experience, it's not so common for people to see the same benefit in challenging their hearts and minds by hanging out with people who disagree fundamentally with them. So when I see folks do what doesn't come naturally, I feel hope. And another thing that gives me hope, which is related to this, in fact, it's something without which we wouldn't get very far at all in a dialogue, is the impact of grace on the human heart. When we experience grace, it's transformative. It opens us up. And when I say grace, I mean something I haven't earned or don't expect. When someone I've offended offers to hear me out, when someone who disagrees with me gives me the benefit of the doubt or extends a hand across the aisle, any aisle, that's grace. And once I receive it, I'm more likely to be able to offer it to others. All of that gives me hope. Hi, Politicology. This is Lene Erickson, and I am very grateful because I am here with my perfect niece, Ginny Lene. And what do you want to do this weekend? Should we see the Elmo cookie? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And open presents? Uh-huh. And make Christmas presents and uh-huh. make Christmas cookies? Yeah? What else do you want to do? Can- yeah, an Abby cookie. Oh, an Abby cookie? What a great idea. Uh, we are very uh, grateful that we can all be together for the first time in three years. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Lee Mars. And what gives me hope is that people are recognizing the preciousness of human attention. Just a few years ago, we never heard about the politics of attention because attention wasn't widely recognized as an issue. Most of us simply assumed that big tech platforms and social media had taken over our minds and our world, and all of that was inevitable. But now there's serious pushback. There are social, political, and economic movements focused on reclaiming human attention. My writing partner, Justin Zorn, and I wrote our book, Gold and the Power of Silence in a World of Noise, as an ode to pristine attention. And we're so grateful to shows like Politicology. 
ones that turn down the noise and create space for focused attention and thoughtful reflection on important issues. So we feel hope because we're not alone in this movement to defend attention, to preserve it, and to honor it. I'm Maron Sahami, and I'm a computer science professor at Stanford University. What has given me hope in 2022 is seeing resilience in the world. It's taken many forms. We've seen resilience in our democracy as unfounded attacks on our elections have been handily refuted, and election deniers have by and large been denied in their bids for political office. Even more importantly, we've seen the resilience in the structure of our democracy, as we've been seeing growing accountability and criminal convictions for people who sought to overturn our democracy. Whether it be in the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, or attempts by domestic terrorists to abduct or attack political officials, those responsible are facing justice by a system that has shown resilience and resolve in the face of conspiracy-minded extremists. And around the world, we've seen resilience— We've seen Ukrainians fight bravely and effectively to protect their homeland from unprovoked Russian aggression. We've moving past the COVID-19 pandemic as scientific advances allowed for unprecedented speed in the production and distribution of vaccines. And they've also helped provide effective therapies for those who do still get sick. Despite many of the challenges we've faced during the past few years, the resilience we've seen this past year has given me hope that our political institutions, our scientific advances, and our pursuit of justice will help carry us forward to a brighter tomorrow. Hi, this is Jennifer Horn. I'm so grateful that Ron has reached out and invited me to join his group of friends offering their thoughts on hope this holiday season. And my thoughts on this come from a really personal place. Like everyone else out there these last couple of years, in addition to everything else, have been a season of loss for me and my family. My mother, my dad, my best friend, my brother-in-law, unfortunately, we've lost people that we love dearly. And it's been a rough time to stay focused on work, to be accomplished in all the different areas of our lives that are important to us while kind of processing that grief and living with that grief. And among other things, my husband and I just moved into a new home. And a couple nights ago, I was unwrapping all sorts of things out of boxes at about one o'clock in the morning. And I came across my mother's magic wand. It's a funny thing to say out loud, my mom's magic wand. My mother loved Disney World. She particularly loved the Magic Kingdom. And for the last five or six years of her life, her very favorite thing in the world to do, other than be with her own children and grandchildren, was to have me push her through the Magic Kingdom in her wheelchair. The lights, the music, the children, the laughter, the color, the the life of it all. She she just thrived on it, the innocence of it. And it just it was her happiest place to be. She had a magic wand, a Cinderella magic wand that she would hold in her hand. And as we stood online or were, you know, walking down Main Street together uh, and children uh, on occasion would stop and just kind of look at her. She was a very happy, smiling woman. She had Minnie Mouse ears on. It, you know, it was just, you know, the, the happiest place on earth for her. And she would say to them, would you like a wish? 
And of course, they always would say yes. And very gently, she would take the Cinderella magic wand and tap them on the nose and say, boop, your wish is granted. And they would walk away happy, walk away smiling. It was the sweetest thing I have ever seen in my life. And for the first time in a long time, as I'm sitting here getting ready for the holidays, getting ready for some of my own children to come and spend time with us, I'm able to think back on my mother and my father and the people that I have loved so dearly that we've lost with genuine happiness. I know it doesn't sound like that. I apologize. But truly, finding the wand made me smile. It brought joy to my heart. And it made me realize that no matter how great the loss, no matter how dark the season, the sun does always come back and shine again. And we do reach a point where we can think about these people that we love so much with real joy, real happiness. And that is what has given me the greatest hope is that experience of finding the wand and for the first time in a few years, feeling real joy as I think about my mom, being able to remember her with a smile on her face and a smile on my face. And it gives me hope that all of these good things, all the love that we share in the world, it's all still there. No matter how complicated life gets, no matter how divided we become politically, no matter what the struggles are that we carry with us, The love of the people that we have loved in the past stays with us for the rest of our lives. That is the most hopeful thing that I have experienced for a very long time. No matter what you are celebrating this season, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa or any any other joyful celebration that you're experiencing, I want you to know that truly I wish you all joy. I wish you peace and happiness And as Ron has reminded us to focus on hope, always remain hopeful because there are always good things waiting for us in the future. Thank you all so much and Merry Christmas to you all. Hi, this is Liz Gilbert. And there are actually many things that gave me hope in 2022. Not only was it a hopeful year personally and with family and so many wonderful things, but I have to say politically, um, I'm pretty hopeful too. I am definitely someone who before the midterm elections was not thinking that people were going to show up and people were going to make smart choices for themselves and their communities at the ballot box. And I have to say, after looking at so many of the election results in races and in states that mattered extremely, I mean, certainly there are house races where I wish we saw different outcomes. But when you look at secretaries of state races, attorneys general, governor's races, you know, U.S. Senate races, I'm really hopeful that in really critically important elections, the election deniers were not successful for the majority of the time. And it made me hopeful that folks went to vote in the 2022 midterms and they voted for democracy. And that gives me great hope. 
Hi, Politicology listeners. This is Molly McHugh. By now, you're all pretty used to me going on about how amazing Ukrainians are. You've also heard me talk a lot about my deep belief in the need for engaged and forward-leaning American leadership in the world to expand freedom and real human liberty, not the cartoon version of liberty, but real, actual human liberty, and to defend the values and ideas that are so inextricably linked to us and to our history, especially core concepts of human rights and democracy. You've heard me talk a lot about my fear that as a nation, left or right, we're at a low point in the belief in the idea that America in the world matters, and that as we pull back, there's really nothing to take our place in the same way. And that what will happen when our voice diminishes from doubt, from resentment, from fear, from selfishness, from distraction, from lack of vision, from whatever, will be terrible for human freedom in the world. So what gave me hope in 2022 is that when Russia began its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February this year, so many actual people were inspired by Ukraine's will to survive, will to fight, will to say clearly that what Russia represents is wrong, and will to make us feel uncomfortable that we were absent from that fight. Because it is the belief of real people, of Ukrainians, in all of the things that we say we stand for and believe in as Americans, of the American public who knows Ukraine is on the right side, of European populations who remember the history of invasion, of populations of other allied nations who see this fight happening outside of the transatlantic context as well. All of these people dragged our allied governments forward and forced them to support Ukrainian survival. And that when that support still wasn't enough, countless individuals and volunteers have stepped in to fill gaps, to save Ukrainian lives, to provide gear and technology and support in so many different ways. We've seen real leadership, but it wasn't from one of our governments or from some political party. It was from the belief of actual people in these values All of this mustered the response to Russia's attempt to undo those values. And finally, our governments couldn't look away anymore. So Ukraine gives me hope. Ukrainians give me hope. But the support for Ukraine gives me even more hope that maybe, just maybe, these ideas and values really are a lot harder to abandon than I fear in the very worst moments. So thank all of you for being a part of that in all the ways that you are. Something incredible is happening in this energy around Ukraine And we need to make sure that we use it for a brighter future. So Happy New Year to everyone, and let's make it a better one, however we can. Hey guys, it's Lucy. Happy holidays. I am recording this in typical politicology fashion, or B, from my mom's closet in Phoenix, Arizona, to get away from five barking dogs. Old habits die hard hard to teach old dogs new tricks, like to be quiet. But speaking of teaching old dogs new tricks, I do feel like Americans learned a few new tricks this year. In 2016, in the aftermath of that horrible election, I felt most worried not about changes to the tax code or actual policy uh, changes, but that I thought that the Trump era was going to usher in an era of really ugly politics, of an erosion of our norms, of toxicity. I wasn't the only one to predict that, kind of kind of obvious, and it did come true. But I didn't fully anticipate how much that would give Americans the chance to stand up and say that's not who we are. And I think that 2022 was a year where they really did that. And I think that that is really laying the groundwork for more of that in 2023, especially in this new Congress. 
who could have predicted that in the aftermath of Roe being overturned, voters in Kansas would show up to the ballot just weeks later and say, we are going to reject this anti-choice ballot language. Kansas, who could have predicted that my home state of Arizona, that just a few cycles ago was considered a red stronghold, a Republican stronghold, and giving us some of the ugliest, ugliest politics on offer. Things like SB 1070, the horrific anti-immigration bill, crazy, crazy gun nuts stuff. I mean, Arizona was like writing copy for the Daily Show every week, basically. That Arizonans would have a Democratic governor and two Democratic senators and be rejecting someone like Carrie Lake and saying, we don't want you. That's amazing. Who could have predicted that in a year of a ton of federal gridlock, Congress would actually get its act together and finally pass gay marriage protections? I think it's because even though, look, the toxic politics remain very strong and we have to keep up the fight, I think it's also created a moment for Americans to really look around in their communities and say, let's show a sign that that's not who we are. Let's show a sign that that's not who we are at the ballot box and in the kinds of leaders that we elect. It's not everywhere, but I think that there are a lot of indications that in a way, this era of really ugly politics has created an opportunity for a lot of anti-ugliness. And I think that's kind of exciting. Hey, everybody. This is Iowa State Auditor Rob Sand. And one of the things that gives me hope going into the new year is how well the Alaska voting system worked this year. Uh, they give independence and equal right to participate. And then they use ranked choice after that to let people actually do something more than choosing between the lesser of two evils. So in that way, with that system, everybody gets their input on every candidate. And they get to actually put more of who they are into their vote as opposed to just, you know, the lesser of two evils. So uh, they've got a coalition government now between... Uh, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, the Democratic uh, House member endorsed the Republican senator, and the Republican senator endorsed the Democratic House member. To me, this is what America is supposed to be about. People setting partisanship aside, working together as teams, recognizing the good in each other across the aisle and trying to focus on the places they agree instead of constantly going to war on the places where they disagree and making each other fearful of each other. Um, so to me, um, I'm pretty excited about that, and I hope to see that advance in other states soon, and I've got hope for it because I think everyone's going to like those results. Thank you to everyone at home and on the go for listening. If you haven't yet, we'd appreciate it if you could open up the Apple Podcasts app and give us a five-star rating and review over there. This helps us rise in the rankings so that new people can discover politicology organically. If you have questions about anything we've talked about, you can reach us, as always, at podcast at And even when we can't respond, we do read everything you send us, whether it's an episode idea a guest recommendation, or just a simple note about how the show has impacted you. And we love hearing from you. I'm Ron Steslow. I'll see you in the next episode.